A very good morning to all our students, parents, alumni, and other viewers. Welcome to yet another episode of EDUPA, the journey of success. A conversation with achievers brought to you by expert group of institutions, alumni association. It is said that courage is the most important of all virtues because without courage, you can't practice any other virtue consistently. The very epitome of this value called courage are the soldiers of the Indian Armed Forces who toil day and night, putting their lives at risk so that we might sleep peacefully and without fear. Today, we have a guest who will talk about life in the army and values that make them who they are. I'm honored to welcome to Ejupa, a veteran of the Indian Army, Lieutenant General P.G. Kamath. Welcome, sir. I would like to take this opportunity to briefly introduce our guest to our viewers. An alumnus of Sainik School Bijapur, Lieutenant General P.G. Kamath has served in the Indian Army for 40 years. Being from the infantry, he has served on all uh, frontiers of our country. He has also served for three years as Defense Advisor to High Commission of India at Malaysia and Brunei. He is a graduate of Staff College at Defense Services Staff College at Wellington, Higher Command Course, a Strategic Level Course at Army War College More. He is a graduate of National Defense College, New Delhi, that trains senior officers in geostrategy and geopolitics. His last appointment was the Commandant Army War College, where the college trains officers of Indian Armed Forces and also officers from friendly foreign countries in leadership skills, tactics, operational art, geopolitics and strategy to junior, middle and senior level officers. He is one of the highest decorated officers of the Indian Army and a recipient of four presidential medals in service. As a battalion commander on the line of control in Operation Drakshak, he was awarded by the President Sena Medal. As Brigade Commander, again on the line of control during Operation Parakram, he was awarded Yuddha Seva Medal by the President. For the command of an infantry division, he was awarded by the President Ati Vishishta Seva Medal by the President. Again as Commandant of Army War College, he was awarded by the President Param Vishishta Seva Medal. After retirement from the Army in 2013, he served as the Special Rapporteur of National Human Rights Commission for the South Zone comprising the states of Karnataka, Andhra Pradesh and Telangana from 2015. He is also a prolific writer and his articles can be seen in various publications. Once again, a very warm welcome to you, sir. At the very outset, I would like to first thank you for your service to this proud nation. And uh, before we start with our first question of the day, I would like to remind our viewers that you can send your own questions live by WhatsApp to the number shown on your screen, that is 82964-90168. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel and click the notification bell below for regular updates. So, I would like to start this session by first asking you, what motivated you to join the military? And at what age did you decide that you wanted to be in the army? Uh. Frankly, Ankush, I and other viewers, uh, good morning to all of you. It was uh, at the age of nine, in 1962, 
there was a Sino-Indian conflict and where India did not do well at all. So my father told me that the India and China were fighting for a land called Tibet in between, which was partly correct and partly wrong as well. So what as a little boy, I used to go and rush into the other room and call it China, swing my stick and then say I have I have attacked China and a fellow and did this game. And my father was seeing me from the stroller of the eye. And next year, he put me in Sainistul Bijapur. After Sainistul, six years in Sainistul Bijapur, I got through to NDA. And after the national first chance in NDA. And then, you know, the army is a huge time machine. You put a boy of 20 years into the army. I become after 40 years, I pass out as a veteran after serving for 40 years, four decades in the Indian Army. It all, it's all a history now, but I'm thankful to the choice I made. Right. Uh, speaking of choices, uh, a lot of students are very confused what to do and uh, how yes. to go ahead with their life. Uh, before you joined the military, did you ever think of any other career? Uh, choice in your childhood or during your teenage days. <laughs> I wish, Ankush, I was wise enough like the children of today to really make my choices. After joining the age at the young age at Saini School, though the Saini entry into Saini School is not guaranteed to NDA, you know that. Right. There is a public service examination which you have to, union public service examination which you have to take. But the atmosphere at that time in Saini School was, yes, yes, you have to pass through NDA. That's the end all and be all of your life. Nothing other, other uh, what you call prospects and all came into my mind. And those early days and course that were much, much before you were born all as well. You see, there were only one or two streams. Either you become an engineer or a doctor or uh, people of our community generally go to the banking also. So banking did not really appease, really please me or did not attract me. My sister was already wanted to pursue a doctor. My younger brother was, was trying to become a scientist. And so I thought, let me <laughs> let me go into this. And once I joined Sainistral, there was no other option. The only option which we considered after joining Saini School, if at all, was if we didn't qualify in for NDA, what next? So that what next God was kind did not give me an opportunity to think what was next. And time machine, as I told you, worked its way up. <laughs> that's that's a very uh, interesting story <laughs> because uh, now several students after they finish 12th, of course, students who may not go to Sainik school, but they are they do their 12th standard, for example, in an institution like Expert. And uh, uh, many of our students, they write MBA. Uh, and they think that, okay, this is the way to get into the armed forces. Uh, but now the question is, what are the other ways that someone today can get into the armed forces? And also, do you, is there any particular advantage to getting into the armed forces after doing a bachelor's degree? Because uh, many of us, uh, there are technical entry streams where after doing our engineering, we get into armed forces. So what really is the difference between getting through NDA or through some other uh, entry point? Uh, that's a very interesting question, Ankush, and it will be really applicable to the students who are listening to me. Firstly, I will not go into very much details of this because there is a fantastic website 
which is join the Indian Army. There is another one join the Indian Navy and also Air Force. These sites will straight away give you all the threadbare details what a person wants. But just I'll give you a bird's eye view of it. You can join after your 10 plus 2. There are two entries after 10 plus 2. One is you go into the NDA and one is you go into the technical entry scheme 10 plus 2. There there is no written examination also, but you should have a PCM and you should have above 70% and then apply for it when the notification comes. So these are the non-graduate entries in India. Then after you become graduate, then you can go to the combined defense services examination. Either you can go in for the short service or you can go in for the regular into the Indian military academy. Not only that, when the, before the final year, there is a university entry scheme. If you are pursuing your engineering on the fourth year, before the final year, pre-final year, you can again appear and then get a stipend for next one year and join a short service commission also. Then again, if you are just a normal graduate, even then you can go into the OTA. Then once you have finished your engineering and become what you call B or B tech you have done, then you can again go as a technical, a technical graduate entry. You got a number of opportunities. If you see this particular join the Indian Army, go into the officer selection. The first thing comes out is am I eligible? So you just go into the am I, am I eligible? and see what you are eligible and then go into the entry. There are now, now your most important question which you are, sub question which you asked me, what should the children, students prefer? Frankly, I might be a bit dogmatic or much more spirited because I felt uh, when I joined the army, I should be in the cutting edge, but not others. All roles in the in the huge war machine which the Indian Armed Forces create. Every role is important, whether it is a sepoy or a general or a technical person, flyer. Everyone is important. Everyone has a role to fill. No one can say I am more important than you, but notwithstanding. Still, I wanted to be in the mainstream. And what my frank advice is, if you really want to join the armed forces, start right now. Why are you telling two <laughs> years later, four years later, five years later? All these are feasibilities. But if you want, go after 10 plus 2, appear for the NDA examination. If you have missed out on the NDA examination, go 10 plus 2 entry after year 12. And then go in, join the mainstream, and that's what the entire Indian Armed Forces are waiting for these hot-blooded youth to join and really bring a glory to our country. So I think my personal advice is if you start, start early. And by chance you miss out, then other other avenues, different entries are always open to you. So I think there are a lot of opportunities to join the armed forces. It's it's just that we need to make up our mind to uh, get into you know one of the Absolutely. points and, get, and serve the nation. Uh, a student called uh, Satvik has asked, uh, how can a doctor serve the nation like you? Is there any exam for us to join the military with a doctor job or how to become a doctor in the armed forces? See, there are number of, for a doctor, once you become a doctor, you apply, you will straight away get short service commission. You don't even have any examination. So once you become a doctor, you have become a full-fledged doctor, join the short service and then hope that you will do well and 
pass your uh, specialization and then join into the permanent commission. So, so off service commission for a doctor is just not a problem at all. People are just picked up and then do the basic medical officers course in Latno and then they are put into the field service. So it's a good five years or eight years experience which a person can get. So that's not. There are other one more stream Ankush, and other students. There is one which is the Armed Forces Medical College. So after your 12th, when you are appearing for others, you appear for the Armed Forces Medical College entrance examination. And after that, you as it is get permanent medical doctor's commission and it is not a temporary. For a civilian doctor to come into the army, it's a temporary route which will become permanent. But on forces medical college, it's a direct entry into the medical profession. I think uh, I would uh, take this opportunity to actually inform uh, uh, you, sir, as well as our viewers that uh, just yesterday this came in the news. Uh, one of our students, expert students of this year, Akash, has actually gotten into the Armed Forces Medical College. Uh, so we hope that uh, he will actually, you know, uh, shine and... Serve. I want to congratulate Akash. The reason is AFMC is one of the toughest uh, medical entrance yes. examination. It's one of the toughest. Mm -hmm. huh? Obviously, you have trained the person well <laughs> and kudos to your institution. Thank you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, sir, now coming to a soldier's life. Now, you have been a frontline soldier. And uh, whenever we talk about soldiers, the army, we associate with dedication, determination. Uh, so what is the role of dedication and determination in a soldier's life? And if you could share a story from your time in the army, that could help us understand this. Ankush, without dedication, determination, and what you started in your prelude is a courage. Courage is actually a product of selflessness. This body, I'm not worried because my nation is more important to me. That gives you courage. These limbs, I'm not worried because these limbs are not important to me because my cause and my mission is more important than anything else in this world. So that automatically, when there is a, this body doesn't need anything other than the organization, other than its mission, other than the cause, other than the nation, then what else? You don't have to worry. Courage is a byproduct of this uh, selflessness. And then the determination, courage, all come in with. I got a very interesting incident to share. It was around 26, 27 years back. I was commanding a battalion in Rajori sector, looking across the line of control. I used to, I was the CEO, you know, CEO, though I was, uh, he's a big man in a unit, commanding officer is the essence, it's the institution. You know the recent Galavan, when Colonel Suresh, Suresh Babu died, the entire 16th Battalion of uh, Bihar Regiment was so enraged, they went and played havoc into the Chinese camps and what they did, is the rest is history. So commanding officer is the real institution who, who, who is what you call one with his troops and is the front face of an officer and the troops at that level. So I was going around my company area, number of posts I was occupying about 40 odd kilometers of the line of control. I went and in the forward post, there was a forward post and in between, the, actually the line of control runs certain 20, 30, 40, 50 yards, but where there is a valley, 
we hold the either side of the valley, other side of the Pakistani post across the valley. We were on this side of the post, and there was a nala, a river, a rivulet flowing in between, which was the line of control. I went to the post, and there was a youngster, about 22 years old, Manish Mehta. I still know him. I am so fond of him. I told Manish, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing fine, sir. Then I uh, commanding officer goes every time and looks at the enemy area where the any new developments have come. Anything which has come, it should not come because if you dominate on the other side, there is no question for the enemy to even come out of his bunker. And if he does come out, he has to be shot. Similarly, the other way, they are also with the same weapons, you have to understand. But I said nothing doing, no live and let live. If there is a moment on the other side, that moment, that person who is doing the moment should die. I, my, there is nothing else. So when I looked, I found that about 700 meters inside a rivulet, inside up the reentrant on the hillside of the, which is occupied by the enemy, I suddenly found that there was a, what you call a tarpaulin type of a shelter which has come out into the river into the uh, re-entrance amidst the foliage. I just asked, first visit, I didn't see this tarpaulin. How has this come? I very well knew it was dark. We didn't have thermal imaging system. There is no way in the night he can come down into his own area, do what he wants and leave. But I just wanted to put some extra caution in the answer because he has just taken over the post. Manish, I don't expect it. Nothing should move on the other side, even if a bird has to uh, flutter its wings on the other side of the line of control. It has to be with your permission and your condescension. Uh, it's, uh, just, it just can't move. How did they move? He, he also knew that I was trying to be more assertive in order to drive home a point rather than then. Uh, OK, I said, Manish, be careful here. Met all the troops had some with them, boosted their morale and came. After 10 days, I went to the post again. When I went to the post, yeah, each time the commanding officer requests from a different location, because that would have been registered, and the enemy would do the medium machine gun fire, which will spew 1,200 rounds in a minute. Means where 10 rounds have, 200 rounds have gone. That is the speed. And that is the rate of flow. You can imagine the technology behind it. You are all technical people. So when I, and I told then I was saying, I didn't find the tarpaulin. I told Manish, have I, have I got my orientation wrong? On this entrant, about 30 meters on the enemy side, I saw that tarpaulin last time. Where is that tarpaulin? Manish was looking with a smile playing on his lips. And then I asked them, then he says, sir, you are standing on it. And lo and behold, when I looked down, there was a Pakistani ordnance factory tarpaulin below my feet. <laughs> I looked at him with amazement. What? You fellows went all the way when there is so much of fire. What would have happened if your three bodies were on the other side? How do I get them back? How do I answer your parents? <laughs> How, what will I tell? Huh? I'll be sacked straight away. Huh? But that is what is determination.
the very idea that commanding officer told him why that tarpaulin was there that was enough for him one night at around uh, uh, on a moonless night at 9:30 he and his men started three men started crawling with their weapons in their hand went through the nala went through the wire obstacle went through the minefields went into the enemy area cut the tarpaulin and came back by crawling it took them six hours of day night absolutely moonless night and they brought the tarpaulin back <laughs> So when you talk of the determination, what at this one? I as a commanding officer was lost. My tears were pooling in my eyes. I wanted to. I hurt them all. I didn't want the commanding officer to be seen crying. I left and then met them again. So that you know, this little incident shows what type of officers we have, what type of men we have. what is the indian army the material strength the wisdom the emotion the the morale that spirit that uh, that that what you call love for the country and love for the mission and the love for the cause what they have that is all i just get so explicit in this one incident uh, if there is time sure. i'll share yes, one more yes, incident yes. with you later uh, okay i don't want to take all, <laughs> yes. all your time because it has to go through a range of subjects so it's it's a truly inspiring story going beyond uh, just your duty and uh, and and being Absolutely. that the self motivation to do something for the country and for because the commanding officer just told him uh, you know made a small comment i think uh, that's a great story uh, sir uh, there's a, a question from a student uh, called aditi unkal from hubli she asks uh, why are girls not inducted through nda and if a girl wants to join the army uh, what exams can she write or how can she join the army see firstly the women are there in in the armed forces in a bit way recently the judgment has come it's not only temporary commission they will get the permanent commission also just look at the join the indian army the women entry women can join all the forces almost all the arms and services other than the infantry the armored corps and the artillery signals the communications engineers the the one who make the roads construct our bridges to lay the minefields and all they are there then there is a electrical mechanical engineers for repair or mechanical vehicles then there are radar the radar specialist the whole lot of the technical and logistic the one who provides supplies the logistics army marches on its stomach you know without food you are you can't march that's what napoleon said huh? then there is a whole lot of arms ammunition ammunition is the main you can imagine the bulk of artillery ammunition which has to flow the bulk of uh, uh, that ammunition which i told you medium machine gun in a minute if 1200 rounds come it has to be replaced all these logistics are there all where ordnance core the supply core everywhere the women are allowed now and now after that they will also get their permanent commission as well the education core where they teach so nda is only a part so forget nda you have got whole lot the ota the ots uh, any other just open up the this one and there is a, a fleet of opportunities available to the women 
to join the join the or any uh, even air defense artillery you can join only places proper artillery that is ground artillery field artillery we call armored and infantry these are the only three places they are not allowed right. so it's all open to them so says to just open up the website and look at and then apply there are notifications everything is done online application no need of any other application all online everything is online and they will be called for the interview also online so they have uh, they have to they have to just uh, look into it right so aditi uh, definitely go to the uh, join the indian army website and uh, uh, do look and uh, one more on the lighter vein uh, lighter vein ankush if you uh, generally the women marry and only one person under their command and if they join the indian armed forces at the age of 23 they will have 150 <laughs> people and that ha men won't be canna ha just and also they just wanted to tell you a pay system so that the people they generally if you are only looking for money then don't join the armed forces then you become a politician you can be a black marketer you can be a businessman <laughs> there are number whereas I have never felt the shortage of money in whatever way. So, as a second lieutenant, when a person, a woman or a man joins, their basic pay is fifty-six thousand one hundred plus fifteen thousand five hundred is the military service pay that comes to seventy-one thousand six hundred plus DA for the day for the year twelve thousand thirteen. So, nearly eighty ninety thousand a person joins when she joins, she gets it. Yes. See, you have to understand. Understand. Even if you go to a software, they may start you with twenty-five thousand, thirty thousand. Your basic is itself fifty-six thousand one hundred. Don't look at the pay. Go for the cause. The pay will come automatically. Definitely. <laughs> yes, sir. So, uh, because we have a lot of students who are uh, from the eleven, twelve standard, we are getting a lot of questions. Uh, uh, students are sending in live, uh, especially regarding NDA. But there's one specific question that I like. So the the student says that he has cleared the NDA written exam and qualified for the interview. So can you give him some tips for the SSP interview? I see, it's a five days interview. Then they see the roots of your entire psychology. The psychological test, group testing test, group testing officers are there. They group your leadership skills. only thing what i say don't tell lies and don't say what you are not you are trying to show what you are not you may one odd fellow may pull them but it's not a interview of half an hour that i i impress you in that half an hour with my good uh, what it call articulate my thoughts and then you get impressed it's not that you are five days they are observing you there are photo yeah, everything is seen the psychology test they give you a they will give you a photo you have to write within that 10 seconds the first sentence if you think you are smart i will have time and think of a better sentence to write the two more photos have gone by you know so the first thing has to be written so the very idea is uh, what you call uh, you have to be genuinely good and hope like hell that you will do well go through there are there are number of academies you know ankush and others which train people out there i have been in charge of a, one of the training centers alabad i had gone for myself for as a senior officer i had gone for their annual inspection 
they say the 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 staff had gone the interviewers who come there they say it's so the straight away if a person has done some course pre course prior to that gone to an academy we straight away come to know within the first 10 minutes that this fellow is raw and this fellow is done but that doesn't mean they are at an disadvantage you got me yes. but when you try to what you call uh, to be frank with you i didn't have any interview uh, pre course but now there are whole lot of academy there is one sure shot academy in bangalore itself who claims that they give the uh, almost 90% result in the service selection board so there is nothing wrong in going and going through one of the interview uh, one of these academies and getting to know what is happening because there is a gto's test there is a h tempo speech what you have to write there is an obstacle course to see how determined you are when you are doing the course you have a 10 feet jump you are doing from wall down below they are watching whether you are hesitating or not hesitating so every particular nuance or particular moment cannot be doubted and controlled and told what should be done because there are so many spontaneous things which the mind does as a reflex action these can't be what you call tailor made unless you develop a positive attitude right from the beginning everything i do is positive everything i think is positive everything i will act is positive i will not get afraid i'll try my best all these things should get implanted ingrained and soaked into your brains so that overall your your positivity run continuous during those five days so there is nothing harm in doing one of these so but to tell you that uh, Uh, fellows, uh, uh, don't tell lies and don't. Uh, for what I can say is, be confident. To all my students, please be confident. Keep the God or whomever you believe in your heart. Believe yourself, you are good, and believe yourself, you are destined to do good. Don't get panicky. Don't look at others. Oh, they look smarter than me. They are, might be smarter, but I am also smart. Uh, you know that winner, that type of attitude. If you cultivate, I am sure all your students so will get. So I think it's uh, only if we are true to ourselves, we can also be true to the nation. Uh, uh, so uh, you, yeah. you uh, cannot uh, bluff uh, your way into the right, interview. Right, That's right, all I am just right. trying. So, so you said that you are from the infantry mm-hmm. and you have also commanded an infantry division. So what is the infantry? Because many of our viewers might not be aware of. the various uh, uh, facets of the army so what is the infantry and what is its role in the army see infantry if the armed forces is a sword the cutting edge is infantry because it is the infantry which moves to assault attack and objective through the mine fields through the wire obstacles artillery fire is falling mortar mortar fire is falling splinters are there smoke is there dust and din of the battle the the stench of the burning flesh is there your comrades who were just running be- along with you for the attack has suddenly become a mangled a mangled mass of flesh he has become huh 
and with so much you have to go through the objective because your company your company is leading you have to go there the mission is very important there is nothing your wife or family children all go into the extremity of it is not been thought of your main mission is to reach the objective because infantry is the only thing we can close in with the enemy under all type of fire in all type of terrain and in all difficult conditions and go and ultimately Ultimately, when you reach the enemy bunker, if he's still firing, fire, lob, grenade, bayonet him to death and kill him and occupy the ground. And thereafter, if the enemy counterattack comes, hold the ground. So infantry is the only arm which is capable of capturing the ground. Armored, RT and all will give you all the support of fire and all. But ultimately, walking up a difficult terrain and capturing the objective has to be done by infantry. In the planes and all, the army and the armor and infantry both do this because the tanks can move in a plane area. But the tanks cannot go into the high altitude except in certain very small tank runs. The actually climbing has to be done by the infantry. Now in the India-China standoff, though there are certain armor in specified gap, the entire Kailash range on the 29th to 30th, was absolutely captured in the entire heights of 16 to 18,000 feet into the snow, was captured by the infantry. Am I right? So this is the role of infantry. It is the cutting edge of the entire Indian army. It, it is, the, it is the, 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 the army. It's called the queen of the battle. You know, in a palace, the queen, the king, the everyone, courtiers, partisans, everyone uh, tries to cater for the king, similar to like queen. Similarly, when the queen goes into the battle, there is logistics which are supporting, artifier which is doing. Uh, there are ammunition which is coming, the food is coming to them in order to see the air comfort. So, but, uh, technology has kept on changing. So, because uh, definitely our dependence on technology has uh, increased a lot over the decades. And technology has also kept on changing and evolving. Uh, but my question is, has the skills needed to be in the military? changed because of this changing technology? Fantastic. Very good question. See, everything, you know, the weapons, equipment, you can't have a raw, absolutely, in Second World War, all they wanted is a fourth class pass to join the army. Huh? Now, if I'm operating a medium machine gun, I need a laser range finder, I have to operate a laser range finder in order to see the exact range. So that the bullets which are fired don't go, it goes within the height of the man in a depleted terrain in so that when the enemy comes, can be killed. You got me, it should be within the height so that your fire is effective. Everything is technology now. When you come to the artillery, very idea if a gun like the buffers or the present Danush and all what we have. If it is firing 40 kilometers, it has to fire at that area at 40 kilometers. The calibration is required, the propellant which has to be put uh, has, uh, has to change in terms of the range. Whole thing, there is uh, so much of technology in each and every weapon system. But, but I want to put a caution here. With a very highly technology oriented person, still that raw courage to go through the minefields, <laughs> go through the weapons, go through the dust and din of the battle. When the when the when the fusillade of uh, 
fire is coming on to you, which will cut you into two if need be by, by just perforation. Under these conditions, you know, the man behind the gun under all circumstances, he is so, 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 so important. His raw courage, his faith, his motivation, that emotion, courage is a basically an emotion. You'll agree with me. Huh? So all this is combined. So there is no doubt uh, what you said. I agree with your statement. Higher technical skills are required. But the basic skill of a soldier Correct. are paramount and it is much more than the other technical skills. Uh, so there's a question from a student called Harshit. Uh, he asks, from the point of view of the army, is determination the same as courage? courage. Determination, same as? Achha. See, determination and courage uh, I do not, there is a definite shades of difference between the two. Courage is two type. One is the moral courage, one is physical courage. Gandhi was an, you do a mistake and everyone is silent and for that you are getting punished. And if the teacher asks you, who has done this? To raise your hands, yes, sir, I have done it. That is also moral courage. If things have gone wrong in my battalion and due to which certain deaths have occurred, a commanding officer who wants up, sir, it is my mistake. It did, shouldn't have happened. It did happen due to such and such. That is moral courage. Physical courage is the one where you don't care about the bullets which are flying around you, but you still go. But generally what it has been found is a person who has got moral courage definitely has physical courage. That's what is our experience. Whereas a person who has physical courage may not always have moral courage. That is what uh, how the human behavior, as I have seen, I can tell you. So the person first is to cultivate the moral courage, to tell the truth, to speak the truth, to be you know, to face uh, the what you call take responsibility for your action. Needs lot of courage. Now coming to determination. Determination is the ability to pursue a course of action where it is failing and still that, yes, never, uh, that uh, what you call, never say die attitude. So they they become, they overlap with the courage, but necessarily doesn't mean that determination and courage is one and the same. These two qualities overlap with each other. A fellow who is courageous is determined. A fellow who is determined might be courageous as well. <laughs> Sir, <laughs> uh, speaking of determination and courage, another important facet of the spirit of army is sacrifice. Uh, we talk a lot about sacrifice, Badidan. Uh, we, we have heard the word, but many of us do not understand what it really means. So could you uh, help us understand what sacrifice is? See, I will give you a simple incident by a simple soldier which happened when I was commanding my brigade in Poonch. A brigade is a much bigger entity than a battalion. As a, so there was a battalion and the enemy was holding the higher height. Okay, The line of control ran behind, below, between it. Actually, in 1965, we had captured that height. 
but uh, due to you know the, the 1965 we had to vacate these areas haji peer pass was vacated and this important height was vacated so enemy was holding the higher height and we were in the lower height in a particular i will tell you a very i will make it brief in a particular place at the point there was a bunker with three people with the lmg and he was firing the lmg and suddenly and you know uh, what you call he wanted to fire he opened the loophole and suddenly the enemy two rounds came into the loophole and killed and wounded one of the caps in those three that fellow was straight away the first fellow continued to fire the second fellow put the wounded fellow on the bunt and then uh, uh, trying to control the blood which was flowing out and suddenly he found the temperature of the person is falling down and unfortunately at that point of time in that particular bunker they did not have a blanket so this fellow one fellow was still firing the lmg so the second fellow who was on the bunt wounded the third fellow who was there he told now let me go and fetch a blanket the next bunker was around 25 yards away there was one way of going through the bunker it would take long of time so he thought why not i rush that area these 25 yards and get that blanket and put it on him then the firing there was intense fire but the firing cannot happen 24 hours there is firing intensity there is lull in the battle sometimes so once the firing intensity reduced and there was a lull this fellow got up from his bunt bunker and within a flash 25 yards he reached the other end and once he was reaching the fire started he was safe on the other side he took the blanket in his hand he wanted to save his comrade from his body was getting cold and when the blood flows more the body gets cold and in the end the, there is no more blood left in that though they tried some tunica and all whatever that uh, what you call pre pressure points they increased now he was again waiting for the lull to come and then suddenly a lull came he took his blanket and ran at the same speed back into the bunker just when he was reaching the mouth of the bunker a burst of machine gun caught on his left hand he with the with the blanket in his hand extended to the mouth he fell now there was one wounded there was one who was firing the lmg <laughs> the third fellow who had brought them was also wounded so he closed that uh, loophole that person who was firing the light machine gun, he closed the roof hole, dragged this fellow inside the bun, which was more rounds would fall on him, put him next to the first casualty, put the two casualties together, put a blanket on them. And uh, the, meanwhile, the aid was coming. So the, the persons who had to evacuate these two, they came, they took them and through the communication trends, they went to the regimental aid post, we call it, where a RMO, a doctor is there whom you just mentioned. And when you do, do you know ultimately what happened? The first casualty survived and the second who went to fetch the blanket died. Now you see the sacrifice. This is a, a simple javan just did not want to have the guilty feeling when his blood was falling i did not act it is my duty to save my comrade my brother in arms in whatever way i can do whatever risk i take is left to the god but to save this person is my dharma is my duty 
He went and brought it and died. What a better, I can't write uh, volumes on self-sacrifice. This is a quiet incident where he could have just kept quiet or he could have gone through a longer route through the communication trench to get that blanket. And when he found if he would have died, he, no one would have asked him anything. It is the spur of the moment what he thought, 25 yards, I'll cover in 10 seconds in the lull. God will be with me. I'll bring the blanket in another 10 seconds. God will be with me and I'll save this cap. I don't think that there can be. Uh, there are a number of instances, but it's, I thought uh, I land here. <laughs> I don't have words <laughs> to say because I think this gives new meaning to uh, what Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, do your duty. Don't worry about the fruits of your labor. Uh, Absolutely. I want to ask, what is the reason that makes every soldier to rise up and face every obstacle again, even after sometimes you have temporary defeats or you get injured, uh, but you still stand up and fight again? What is it that makes soldiers do this? See, it is a, see, Ankush and my students, there is, just as I, as a person, I have my mental power, the physical power, the running power, all. A nation has its powers. One is the political power, the cohesiveness of the political country. Then there is the economic power, the strength of the money, the finances. Then there is science, science and technological prowess to take your weaponry to that level and also for others. Then there is the diplomatic power to, to bargain with these power of yours in order to change the will of the opposing nations. Then there is a soft power to see that the people at large are sympathetic to you or even from the enemy side that is. And when all these powers have failed, the last power which you have to apply is the military power. After that, it's like a Trump we are your plane, the last trump you have put thereafter, you have nothing left. So, in that is the last final, what you call final bastion. After that, there is nothing left. If the armed forces fail, the nation fails. The entire civilization is subjugated. This is a humiliation to this race, this ethnicity, this country, this entity, the one which we have brought from the Mahabharata, Ramayana, this, this sacred country, will get buckled down if the armed forces fail. So when a soldier, when he's standing in front in his trench, he knows that in this arc of fire, if there is the enemy soldier and I don't kill him, the president cannot do, the prime minister cannot do, the general can't do. He damn has to do to kill that enemy. There is no one else at that time to kill him. The will of the 1.3 billion people is with that particular soldier when he is firing to kill the enemy. You have to understand. So we have told, see, for you, nothing matters. The only thing what matters is accomplishment of your mission. That is your God. God, that is your divine, that is your goal. The very purpose why you are born is in order to fulfill your mission in war. Everything else goes into the periphery. And ultimately, what is ultimate is when he wins the battle, comes back to his village. The kudos he will get, 
Huh? The, <coughs> the children treating him as hero. The village villagers lined up. The parents are understanding the pride. All this is the accumulation of being that that martial spirit, martial ethos, which is there in our civilization, get fulminated in those incidents, and hence he fights. It's, uh, it, I think it's uh, uncomparable to anything else because uh, the the pride of serving the nation, the serving your people is probably something you can only get being a part of the armed forces and, and really being in the front lines. Uh, sir, I want to ask you, uh, just changing gears a little bit, uh, you are a writer too. I've, I've read a lot of your articles. You write a lot about the army. You write a lot about uh, the various things affecting it. Where did this passion to write come from? See, actually, when you are a soldier, when you are a soldier and you are a commander, you have to motivate your men. You can't motivate your men by personal. You have to do personal example, and then they, see it is not. See, there is one thing I can motivate you and tell. Okay, you get the first rank, second rank, third rank. But in army, there is no runners-up in war. Either you win or you lose. I, I can't say you become come second in war, do well, isn't it? So the entire your entire body, mind and spirit forged has to be channelized in towards your mission, towards your objective. So that's what I was doing while in service. Now I feel the same one I am applying in here in order to see that certain whoever reads at least their public opinion is oriented towards this nation, this sacred nation of ours. It has to be defended. We can't break it up from within by 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 you know by certain traitors, by so-called liberalists, so-called communists who have no love for the nation, who are trying to tear it apart from within. It, it, it bewilders me. You go to a foreign country, if you don't have an Indian passport, you won't know what you are if you have lost a passport. You will become a non-entity, a beggar, a prisoner very next moment. Do you realize the importance of being an Indian, a citizen of a free country where democratic principles are there? This vast country of ours, so fertile, with so many sacred rivers, which has been a fountainhead of four great religions, with a coastline which will open up into the seas and to, into our trade and the Himalayas which sustain the entire Indo-Gangetic belt with water, sustain the civilization, this sacred country of ours. How can we really let it get trudged by a foreign boot and get it split by the by the so-called by the by the liberalist people who have no love for the country, but at the same time lavish upon the goodies of this nature? Isn't it a strong sentiment enough to spur your thought <laughs> to write whatever little what you can write? Uh, I think uh, what I really appreciated is that there are a lot of people who keep complaining about the things around them, but don't really do anything. They just sit and gossip. But I think if people uh, like you start actually channeling that and trying to educate the people's mentality regarding uh, these kinds of 
topics. Uh, that's really a great thing that you've been doing, sir. So there are a few questions that we have received from students. These are probably just curious questions that students have. Uh, so there's one student who asked, if at the LOC, a radar detects a Pakistani plane, what is going to be the reaction from our side? <laughs> See, uh, firstly, at a while at the line of control, you will not know if the plane has come because the people who have to fight the plane are the radars are there deep down into the Air Force bases. And 300 kilometers from our LOC, from the LOC itself, they are picked up. Okay. Now, while it comes right on top of me, I have got in every platoon, we have got a light machine gun, which is for air defense role. Frankly, very few aircraft can be hit with it because the aircraft, fighter aircraft go at what speed, you know. But it is definitely a deterrent. So, all the platoon machine guns fire, fire on the aircraft, but aircraft, nothing happens. But I want to tell you that end friend of mine, before they, when the enemy aircraft takes off from Karachi or wherever, it is already in our radar. And already our air defense control system would have taken care of in order to monitor where it is going and do the requisite action. So actually, I am not looking at I am in front <laughs> and uh, what you call that. That is not really my uh, concern. I'm least bothered actually. Correct. Of course, my AD guns will, uh, will uh, AD roll fellows will fire. That's all I can say. <laughs> and it doesn't bother me. Tell tell that end friend. I am holding my ground. I'll not let let an inch of it be trusted by the enemy. Right. So uh, there's another student who has asked, probably uh, inspired by. A uh, lot of movies these days which uh, show uh, intelligence agencies uh, doing a lot of interesting things. So he's asked, how can one join RAW uh, through Army? No, actually, the, uh, RAW, RAW is a separate organization. It's under the Prime Minister's office. After the Army officers are taken, some on deputation into the RAW. But raw, see, the intelligence and the fighting, the fighting fellows should have intelligence. But the major intelligence should be away because you need different sources to collaborate in information. If you rely on only one source, that source could be faulty, isn't it? So uh, yeah, IB is there, SSB is there, then the Army military intelligence is there, air intelligence is there, naval intelligence is there. So RAW is there. So RAW is a separate organization. You should open the website and then join. I, I good, good, good luck to him. Right. Uh, there's a student called Prithvi who is asking, how did you imagine your military life before joining the army? And how was it after you joined? Was it the same or uh, <laughs> were the expectations in reality different? A very, very good question. Frankly, I can understand this. Uh, the entire mental background that we think it is all rosy. A person joins and then repents, oh, the hell, where the hell have I joined? <laughs> See, firstly, there was no one in the army from uh, from anywhere close to my relatives. Nowhere, nowhere. Uh, you can say 10 heads on the lateral, 10 heads on the left, or 10 heads in, in behind me. There was no one. Uh, but I knew that when I joined the army, 
first thing is I don't have to quote out to anyone because an army officer is not under any damn sorry, sorry for using any politician. I don't have to like the police or the IAS quote out to politician. Nothing. I don't even know who the Raksha Mantri. It doesn't matter. Firstly, because we take an oath for the Constitution. And we take an oath that we are ready to do by the peril of our life and limbs, do anywhere and fight anywhere in the globe on the orders of the president or any officer placed above me. So if you really technically, Raksha Mantri cannot tell me anything to move from here to there. Right. <laughs> the entire army structure is made in such a way that it is completely apolitical, nothing to do with the, this one. We are only bound by the constitution and the government in power. Uh, constitutionally, legally elected government in power. And my oath of allegiance is to constitution and my supreme commander is not the prime minister. My supreme commander is the president of India. President of India can employ the armed forces in case the the government is not abiding by the constitution. You get what what the the nuances between that. So here I knew that I don't have to quote out to any politician. That was one of the thing. Uh, but I knew that uh, the tough the life I have chosen is tough. That I that I did not have any second doubt. And why not? Uh, to earn the respect and love of your men where they are just looking at you with so much of adoration, provided you are worth it. Being self-sacrificing, give everything what you have to them. You are only looking at the organization and take their adulation and adoration and that uh, the play where they place me on a pedestal. Well, I really do not deserve it, but that that feeling of is itself so so intoxicating, huh? To be uh, to be a part of love of the troops is really intoxicating. Uh, sir, uh, this is this, this is a very inspiring uh, talk that we've been having, and uh, uh, I think very different from whatever we've been having so far. Uh, now, many countries, uh, speaking of the youth of the nation, we speak, we say that uh, the youth is the future of the nation, and that our nation depends on the youth. Many countries have a mandatory service requirement that you have to serve for two or three years in the army. Uh, uh, or in any of the branches of the military. Now, what do you think about this? And how do you think it will impact our nation if our youth were uh, required to serve in the military for a couple of years? How will that change uh, anything? <laughs> yeah, it's a very interesting question, Antrush. But I want to tell you, you see, there are conscription. Singapore has a conscription even now. Everyone, every able-bodied person has to spend for two to three years. U.S. had conscription before, but not anymore. Ours is a voluntary army. But look at our demographic pattern. 65, at least 700 million is below 35 years. <laughs> and below 25, there are around 600 million. Leave the first 20 years off. You have got 400 million with you. How your entire army is 1.2 million, 1.3 million. What will you do with this 400 million? Have you under? There is no way. 
it is not practical that's why what we have done national cadet core is for that reason in order to see whoever is aspirant he can join ncc and there is a ncc entry to join the armed forces whoever done a c certificate and got b and above and they can go through the service no written examination there is a ncc entry they can do the service selection board and become officer as a regular officer permanent commission that avenue has been given to the ncc you have to understand that so i forgot to mention in the earlier case so c certificate with the b grade and above if you are got you are eligible to become an officer but to answer your question is some of with our population you know bulge because come Ah, uh, your population bulge. The youngest is the most. Ah, uh, we have we have to utilize the demographic dividend of this country into useful, ah, uh, uh, what you call, ah, uh, uh, earning agents. Ah, uh, in uh, in uh, in future, find avenues for them and take this country to its pinnacle of power and prestige. That's what we expect from the government to utilize this uh, youth bulge. What we have, but uh, 400 million, there is no way. That uh, anyone uh, will manage it, the army. Uh, yeah. The very, very strength is too much to imagine. Right, uh, sir. There is a question that has uh, come from a student, uh, which I think will be very relevant to everyone, uh, irrespective of uh, what field they choose to be in in the future. The student asks, "How do you keep the same passion and determination that a jawan has towards the country?" to our studies and or our work that we do how do we keep the same passion same level of passion and determination see <clears throat> when a person has a passion let's say i cannot enact a passion either i have it or i don't and if i don't have i cannot tell that i have and if i have i cannot uh, pretend uh, I, it shows off. I don't have to tell that I am passionate or something. It is obviously shows off. Let's take an Indian Army officer. That passion has to be self-generating. When it is self-generating, you can transmit it to the troops under you. If I, as an officer, I am only looking for, okay, if my senior officer will appreciate, and only then I will be passionate and I will become uh, what it was. That that doesn't work. When you have a cause, you believe in your cause. Why? You should be passionate to be a good human being. It will take all your human power, your mental faculties, your physical power in order to be just a be a good human being. What India wants is not take 400 million to go with rifles and fight on the LOC. Each person doing his job to the best of his ability, be a thorough professional in order to shine and be and help to the society and help himself, help your family, help the society. Be passionate with your job. Look, look one goal after the other in order to see that your cause, your profession improves. and your organization improves that's what there are multiple i will quote a person in the wrong uh, wrong context let the thousand flowers bloom and hundred schools contend mao said in a different way each of you should be passionate in in order to take your job to that level to that height that it will aid not only you but to the people around you 
so that is so passionate is a is a individual motion which is inspired by our intellectual prowess in order to reach that professional height in the profession which you have chosen i think everyone should be yes sir so uh, since we are running out of time uh, i will uh, ask one last question to you in fact this question was sent by a student uh, nidhi um, so could you tell what is that important lesson of life that the army has taught you <laughs> it has taught me so many time to identify one particular lesson would be very very difficult but at the same time what i feel is uh, i loved my nation from my birth from my means from my followers from my parents who inculcated the love for the country and after serving for 40 years in the army my love for the country has increased tremendously i have roamed around the world almost and seen so many countries abroad but let me tell you with absolute humility absolute humility but with the greatest of pride in my heart sare jahan se hacha hindustan hamara there is no country like ours in its fertility in fertile soil in that that that, that very our mountains our rivers our valleys our, our you just go to certain arab countries when you land there are plastic palm trees which they have lined on their uh, avenues plastic palm trees in order to show that the country is beautiful here you throw a seed outside and it blooms do you really understand what a great country and what a great what a great privilege which god has put on you in order to be born here do we realize that but we don't know how to take this to keep this country clean and take it uh, and take it uh, unleash its potential to make it the greatest country on earth it is to each and every person who is listening to me and to the world to this gentleman that we have to love our country nothing nothing you have to be a nationalist i am not trying to say you told the government no i am taking telling you have to genuinely love your nation because there is no other nation as 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 prosperous as 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 generous as as much of freedom uh, what we have opportunities which we have nowhere else it is there so thank you so much sir for uh, uh, these beautiful words i have goosebumps and tears in my eyes uh, i would like to tell our viewers a true soldier fights not because he hates what is in front of him but because he loves what is behind him uh, the veterans Wonderful. of our uh, yeah. military services have put their lives on the line to protect the freedoms that we enjoy they have dedicated their lives to our country and deserve to be recognized for their commitment thank you sir for being with us for so long and giving us this opportunity to learn from uh, your life in the army thank you sir thank you uh, for being here sir. thank you very much thanks for your institution which is absolutely a inspiring institution uh, where the hundreds and hundreds have benefited and thank you students may god speed god always thank bless you, you. Yes, huh? thank you viewers, uh, we have Take. another episode of edupath coming up uh, today at 5 pm 
uh, we will be joined by none other, none other than the chief national coach of the Indian badminton team, Dronacharya and Arjuna awardee, Padma Purushan awardee, Pullela Gopichan. Uh, do join us for the next session uh, at 5 p.m. today. Until then, thank you and have a great day.